Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Since we're talking about teaching and coaching, they did studies of teachers. They took a group of teachers and they lied to the teachers. It was a white lie. They told the teachers, Jim, Sally, Timmy, and Bill, in your class, they've been tested for supreme intelligence. We don't want you to treat them any different. We just want you to know that you have these four geniuses in your class. That's it. Now, over the course of the next academic year, the teacher didn't do anything different with these four kids because they were told they couldn't even bring it up. They couldn't share it. They had to just, you know, not do anything. But what they found is at the end of the academic year, those four kids ended up scoring way better. The expectation we have of someone seems to influence their behavior. The reverse also happens. So if you're hiring someone and you assume this person is a dummy, I don't know if they're really going to work out, you're actually bringing down their performance. But if you hire someone and you assume they're going to be good, you're causing a boost in their performance. Now, it doesn't mean that it's always going to work. It's a variable of multiple things, right? I've hired someone and I expected them to be successful and they were not, and we had to let them go. But expecting success will always generate a boost in success. We don't know why, but somehow what we expect of someone tends to change their self-image and cause them to improve in certain ways. Now, the second principle is this. When I give someone a big goal, I don't make a big deal out of it. Because if I say, Ajit, okay, I need you to do this because we're really, really behind in our targets. I need you to generate 100K this month. No one has done it before. It's going to be tough, but I need you to do it. Come on, Ajit, we really need to do this. If you can do this, you'll be a hero, but you really need to do this. Now what happens is he feels it's too big. So his expectation of hitting the goal goes down. Because I've stated that no one has done it. But what I did there was I simply told Ajit, so Ajit, 100K, can you make it happen? Great. Next person right? That was it. So in his mind, he's like, oh, I guess this is normal. Everyone must be generating 100K in a campaign. So I do this all the time. And my team members who know me know how this works because I will say, hey, you think we can create a university in nine months? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just pick Barcelona. Let's make it happen. And then it just happens. But if you make a big deal out of it, if you talk about how no one else has ever done it, sometimes you actually bring people's expectancy down. So that was the psychology that was taking place over there. So the moral is always expect the best from people. And if you are giving someone who works for you a bigger than normal goal, don't make a big deal out of it, right? Because if you make a big deal out of it, you start making them feel like it's unattainable. Awesome. Here is my first question to you. And this is for expectation outside. Now, there are about a thousand people that are going through Mind Valley University right now. Did you ever expect of yourself that you will bring a thousand people to a remote country and warp their realities and change their lives completely? And if the answer is says yes, then how did that process go and how should right. a teacher think about it? So, firstly, I shared at the start of Mind Valley U my story of Bob Proctor. So, I spoke about how for five years, as a teacher, I was teaching small classes. I was lucky if I had 20 people in a class. And this was a two-day class on meditation. People were paying $395, right? For five years, I was comfortable. And so I never set a bigger goal. I would have maybe liked to have more people, but I didn't need it. So for five years, nothing changed in my life. For five years, I was making the same steady-state impact. From year one to year five, maybe I grew attendance 20%. But you see, if you give your mind a goal, your mind is more likely to find ways to make it happen. But what happened was that I was too comfortable. 
And that's really where a lot of people don't expand their capabilities because they're too comfortable. And what Bob Proctor essentially told me, I wouldn't waste my time flying halfway across the world, leaving my one-year-old son behind, leaving my wife behind, flying economy from Malaysia to London and Malaysia to New York to teach this two-day class for 20 people for what, like three grand in profit? That's decent money in Malaysia, but on a global scene, that's pittance, that's rubbish. And literally, his phrase, phraseology to me was literally, why the fuck are you wasting your time? You think too small, kid. And I was pissed off, right? <laughs> but I realized he was right. And so I stopped doing that. I quit. I quit that month. That was the last meditation class, I thought. And then two years later, I launched A-Fest. And now it was five-star. It was done with an exceptional team. And it was 250 people paying $1,500. And then from AFES, it went to Mind Valley U. Now, what did Bob Proctor do to me? All Bob Proctor did was he removed my ceiling. I didn't even know I had a ceiling. But all of us as teachers, if you're a teacher, you have a powerful responsibility in the world because you are transforming lives. You owe it to people. You owe it to the world to remove that glass ceiling. You owe it to people to not be comfortable at where you are. So what this means is you always need to be asking yourself a dominant question. Now, the dominant question is the question running at the back of your head, right? That drives you. And Bob Proctor shifted my dominant question. My dominant question before, I don't even remember what it was, but it was probably something along the lines of how do I become better at meditation, right? Which is fine. I was getting really good at meditation. After Bob Proctor flipped that switch in me. The dominant question became, how do I touch even more lives and make their world magical? But notice the phrase, even more lives. So every time I hit a target, that dominant question was, how do I touch even more lives and make things even more magical? Now, when that is your dominant question, your state of mind is, how do I reach more people? How do I grow? And how do I improve what it is that I'm getting out? That became the dominant question, which is why from 300 people at Mind Valley U, we go to 1,000 people. From a tiny little ghetto warehouse in Barcelona, we go to Kulturi Cartel, where the EU Digital Summit took place, because it's about growing your reach and making things more magical. If you're a teacher, you should be having this as one of your dominant questions. Now, there's a science to every word there, right? Notice I used the word even more, even more magical, if you take away the word even, it becomes something completely different. It becomes, how do I touch lives and make things magical? But that's like stating that right now you are not touching lives and you are not creating magic. That's a diminishment of who you are. That's taken away all gratitude. But by saying even more, you're acknowledging in your subconscious that you are touching lives, but you want to touch more, that you are creating magic, but you want to create more magic. So that's the dominant script running in my head. Even more lives, even more magical. Even more lives, even more magical. Even more lives, even more magical. That simple question change will change the trajectory of what you do as a coach because you get out from catharsis. You get out from being too comfortable. And now you're constantly thinking, how can I improve lives, even more lives? How can I improve lives at a more rapid transformational rate? And now you as a teacher truly start fulfilling your mission. Awesome. That's beautiful. Mind Valley has one of the most phenomenal teachers and trainers that come to our platform and teach from this platform. 
How do you know that a trainer or a teacher that you meet is phenomenal? They're going to be able to impact millions and millions of people. Right. And what is it that we can learn as teachers and trainers looking at that lens of saying, okay, this person is going to be phenomenal? So we've worked with a lot of different teachers over the years, right? That the way we identify teachers has shifted. When we first identified teachers, we looked at an 11-point matrix. And I'll share some of the 11 points. One was charisma. How does the teacher come across on stage, on screen? So I'll tell you a funny story, right? I used to dress like shit. If you look at my very first big speech, I was speaking with the Dalai Lama in Calgary. I was like 33 or 34 years old. And I somehow, I had a mentor who actually got me on stage with the Dalai Lama because he knew that was my dream. And I'd never spoken on a big stage before. And that video on YouTube got, I think, like a million views. But if you look at the comments, people are like, how can we take this guy seriously? Do you see how he's dressed? What the hell kind of pants are that? So that's what I mean by charisma. People actually judge you for these things. Now, the guy who got me to change my dressing is actually this guy. I remember Ajit would wear these fancy, like, cool-looking things around his wrist. He would wear a watch. I never wore a watch. I started wearing a watch because Ajit was wearing a watch. I remember it was a Sunday, and I was rushing to meet him for lunch, and I passed by a guy on the roadside selling $5 watches, and I'm like, I'm going to do what Ajit does. So I bought a $5 watch, and I showed up, and I'm like, Ajit, check out this. I got a watch. He's like, how much do you pay for that? I'm like, five bucks. And then I started wearing jackets because of Ajit. So anyway, thank you, Ajit. But that's what we mean by charisma. You've got to learn how to come across on video, how to come across on stage. So that's one of 11, right? Now, there are others. Number two, we look at the consciousness of the teaching. So here's a little thing about what we do. When we are choosing a teacher, we try to find teachers who are operating at the world-centric or cosmocentric level. So, for example, a lot of the teachers that we bring on are teachers who are activists. So we just signed a deal with a teacher. I'm not at liberty to say the name yet because the contract is still going through lawyers and stuff. But why I wanted to work with the teacher is because that teacher is an environmental activist. So she's very, very, very concerned about global warming. And she doesn't want to just teach what she teaches. She wants to help influence Californians to take better care of their natural environment. So that matters to us. We believe that the teachers that we bring on cannot be operating at the selfish ego level. It's not just about teaching someone to be wealthy. We will never bring on those type of teachers or teaching a guy to get the girl. It has to be about conscious accumulation of wealth, which means wealth that is used to build humanity plus businesses that benefit the world. The world does not need more Coca-Cola, so more companies like Nestle. What the world needs is more companies that are healing the world, that are saving the environment, that are improving education, that are working on human health. Sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned Coca-Cola or Nestle. I think that already tosses out any possibility <laughs> of them sponsoring the next Mind Valley U. <laughs> Actually, not that we yeah. would serve their products, even if we were paid to, because we know it's bad for the human body, right? Exactly. So consciousness is that second ingredient. There's a third, there's a fourth, there's a fifth, there's a sixth, there's a seventh, there's an eighth, all the way up to 11. But we use that 11-point matrix. Now, as we've gotten to this level at Mind Valley, we operate in a different way. So I live my life right now believing in a concept called synchronicity, believing that the right person, the right teacher will stumble to me. And my job is to just listen to the consciousness of the energy that is generating Mind Valley, and all companies have an energy. And one of the things I learned from one of my business mentors, Jeffrey Perlman, one of the guys who built up Zumba, right? He said, you got to listen to what the company is asking of you and not try to impose what you want on the company. So we listen. And 
what happened is we got rid of our sales force. We used to have a team of people who were reaching out to teachers. We don't do that anymore. I know if I meant to publish someone, that person will stumble onto me and will reach out to me. And so over the last two years, we've been having incredible teachers, Ben Greenfield, John and Missy Butcher, but all of it, we never chased. They just came to us. And you know, many of you who are dating, right, have noticed that when you're confident of yourself, when you believe in yourself, and you're not chasing and hunting for the right person, the right person comes to you, yes or yes, yes. right? Rather than aggressively going out there and trying to like find that person, the same principle applies. And so what we have found is that the right teacher comes to us, there's an energetic dimension to the world, people, that we have to start admitting is real. And when you can learn to work with this energy, you can accelerate how your business works. So the 11-point matrix right now is a logic-based algorithmic tool, but ultimately I work on the energy. We never chase. I know whoever needs to be published by Mindvalley, we're going to get them in front of millions of people. There is an energetic calling for them, and everything will fall in place exactly as it's meant to be. Beautiful. There's so many lessons in there. Let's switch gears a little bit more. Mind Valley team is one of the most amazing teams to work for. It's one of the best companies to work for. And I can say that not only because we've got awards around that, but because I've worked for the company. So I actually know, and I work for the organization, this is one of the best companies to work for. What would you suggest for somebody who has, say, under 10 employees, or they're just starting out, they have right. five, 10 employees, if let's say you to distill all the insight now that you have after hiring hundreds and hundreds of people, what would be some of the key pointers that you would want to give to them? So my philosophy on this has evolved as I have grown, right? The first thing is, there's a caveat. Mindvalley is not one of the best companies to work for. It's one of the great companies to work for if you're the right fit. If you're the wrong fit, it is a horrible company to work for. And every company is like that. It's not for everyone, right? Sure. But we know what that right fit is. And when we're interviewing people, we try to find that right fit. But 5% is not going to be a fit, and immediately our job is to find that out as fast as we can and compassionately part ways with that person. So firstly, I just wanted to state that, right? Yep. Now, the most powerful thing, the biggest tool I found right now, Peggy McCourt wrote a book called Powerful. Peggy McCourt was the woman who worked with Reed Hastings on creating the Netflix culture deck. And you guys know Netflix is an incredible company, but what many people don't know is that Netflix also has an incredible company culture. And Peggy McCourt gave a structure to how they're doing that. And here's one of the things she said. She said, all of this talk about empowering people is bullshit. A company's job is not culture. A company's job is not to make its employees happy. If you can do that, that's great. A company's job is simply to rally a team of people to create a product and service and deliver that on time in the most effective way. That's it, right? Now, you can argue against that, whatever, but here's the next line she says. That's the core essence, but you can make that happen better if you understand this. The people who walk in through your door do not need to be empowered. If you're doing your job right, they are already powerful. Your job is to give them a way to channel that power. So what we do at Mind Valley is if you come into a role at Mind Valley, whatever team you're on, we ensure that that team is channeling that power. And what I mean by channeling in is you're giving that team the goal or the vision to do something truly great in the world. 
Like every time I meet with Ajit, like what I want to know is, is Ajit doing something really revolutionary? Is it really great? Is he going to be the guy who changes the coaching industry? If I'm working with Cardi on Mind Valley University, I want to give Cardi a chance to take this and make Mind Valley University more influential on the world than Harvard University is today. And it's not done from a competitive sense, it's done from a challenge sense, like you're an Olympian and you love your other Olympians, but you want to do your best to win that gold medal. You're not tripping them up, but you are investing the best in your training, in your abilities, in your transformation. So the idea is in every task, in every team, are you giving people a chance to truly rise up and be their best? Okay, now when I talk to my technology engineers, I tell them, look, don't build a learning platform for Quest. Build the world's greatest learning platform. Four to five years from now, on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, you should be able to say, I worked on the team that built the learning platform, Mind Valley Quest, with the highest engagement rates of any online learning platform in human history. And you know what? If you work on that, you might be too expensive for us to be able to afford you. Because Google's going to want to hire you, Facebook's going to want to hire you, but that's great. Because when your people are able to deliver that, they create stories and more great people join the company. So for example, we were looking for a particular position in Estonia and this remarkably talented lady applied and she had this incredible job that she wanted to quit that and join tiny little mine valley in Estonia, which is like 20 people. And I asked her why. And she says, because I'm friends and I've been watching Cardi on Facebook and I've seen how far Cardi has risen in one year. So you see, when you help people become powerful, they become your best advertising to get other powerful people. So that's the biggest shift in how I've started running businesses that has created a tremendous leap in what we do. Brilliant. I one more question, then we're going to open it up to the floor, okay? And this question comes because I'm very certain that a lot of trainers, educators, or even people who want to influence other people, you might be a CHRO, CEOs, whatever, often get this question or this challenge. I come from an Indian background, and you do as well. And what happens in the Indian context of culture is there is a very popular term called lokya kahenge, which simply means what will people say. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is uh, true for my mother a right. lot, which means I get it every single day of what will people say, because in an Indian context, you either have to be an engineer or a doctor or an accountant. And if you're none of them, what will people say? And that happens for trainers, educators who are trying to go out in the world and do anything that is revolutionary, different or not easily understood. Now, you were an engineer and became a meditation teacher. How did you handle that? Because that must have called for a lot of those types of... I didn't handle it in the best possible way. I was embarrassed by what would people say. So I hid the fact that I was a meditation instructor from all my friends. I mean, this was 2003 to 2006. I graduated from a top U.S. school. My friends were engineers. They were lawyers. They were working for large corporations. And meditation was still considered woo-woo back then. Not like today. Today, if you're a meditation teacher, that's pretty cool, right? You're like that Zen guy. Everybody wants to get to know you and have you help them with their stress. Back then, it was weird. And so I actually hid it from my friends. I had a different email. I used a pseudonym on my website. And I was afraid. But today, what I've learned is this idea of being unfuckwithable, right? Maybe if those people didn't accept me for who I was, maybe they shouldn't be my friends. Mm -hmm. But back then, I was a different person. And so I remember I was once at an event. It was an event called Summit Series. It's an incredible event, and you meet incredible people there. But I remember we were on this giant cruise ship 
in the Bahamas or something. And it was a lot of entrepreneurs. And I turned to a guy next to me. We were watching a concert. And, you know, it's one of those events where you just try to talk to everyone. So I turned to the guy next to me. And I'm like, hey, what do you do? And he goes, well, I just sold my company for 200 million. And trying to figure out what the next thing is. What do you do? And I didn't tell him about Valley. At this point, I organized the first AFES. And I thought, since we're at a networking event, maybe he might find AFES interesting. So I told him what AFES was. I said, well, I gather around 200, 250 people to a beautiful Paradise Beach location. And we go deep in transformation. And we connect as a tribe. And he turns to me and he goes, that's what you do? That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And then he walked away. So you're always going to get that. Now, what's important is what I was feeling inside. And I thought, wow, I'm onto something. Because if he thinks it's the stupidest idea, that means that it's just wild and crazy enough that not many people are going to be doing it, that I could be the first to maybe make it profitable. I could be the first to make it work. And that stupid idea is what you guys all signed up for. (laughs) I wanted to ask a question related to that, but I also want to give opportunity to people here. So we'll be able to take about maybe two or three questions. Any questions in the tribe? Hi, it's Jane from Australia. I'm just interested, you know, I have a community of about 25,000 people. You know, we've outsourced and we're at that point now where we're employing to start the next... I guess, part of our journey of an education. But I'm interested in your experience in making that flip where you're having those cash flow kind of crisis moments and your vision is something you hold on to, but you're at the stage of actually the mechanical part of that. So I'm interested in your story where you kind of made a flip and just went, I'm going to invest everything. I'll share with you one thing that you may want to look at, right? Invariably, when I talk to people who have made that flip from going from cash flow crisis to business being good and thriving... They always say that that flip was them realizing that what they had to focus on was not the mechanics of running the business, but inner work. Yesterday, for example, I interviewed Reagan Hillier because Reagan is 28 years old and Reagan has built multiple successful businesses. She was at Mind Value for almost about two weeks, right? And she said that for her, she was going through that difficulty until a mentor told her, Reagan, you got to get this in your head. It's not about the marketing. It's not about the business strategy. It's inner work. And she said, when she did the inner work, her life transformed. Now, I had a similar story. For the first five years or so of Valley, we were in struggle survival mode. I remember May 2008 was a date that my business partner and I found out that if we did not change something we were doing, we were going to go broke. We were losing 15,000 US dollars from our bank account every month. So we were draining our bank account, right? And we had about three or four months left before we were going to run out of cash and have to lay off the entire team. Now that caused me to go into inner work. And I wasn't going to inner work to try to save Mind Valley. I was going to inner work because I was shit scared and sad and depressed. I started reading Esther Hicks. I read Neil Donald Walsh. And I attended the Millionaire Mind Intensive by Harv Eker. Those were the three things I did that summer. And I remember at the Millionaire Mind Intensive by Harv Eker, and he's now a Mind Valley author, Neil is a Mind Valley author as well. Harv wrote a book called Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. And really, it's about the inner work. And that's what flipped me. Now, long story short, when I went on that journey and I focused on inner work in eight months, from May 2008 to December 2008, in eight months, we grew the company 400%. So we went from whatever we were doing to quadrupling that in eight months, all because I shifted. I thought 
it was the business problem. I thought it was learning marketing. It wasn't. When you do the inner work, the right answers come to you. And the answers that came to us were unexpected, right? A random mentor came in and taught us how to do our effective webinars. We discovered a new strategy to apply to our website that made it convert better. The right people came to our company, including Ajit, who joined during that period, that eight months. But it all has to do with the inner work. When you work on the inner work, everything else will grow with you. Sri Kumar Rao, who's one of the most in-demand MBA professors in the world, right? He teaches at London Business School, he teaches at Columbia, and his classes on personal mastery get filled to the brim with MBA students who want to learn more. And he told me at Mind Valley Reunion, he said, look, the problem with many business schools is that they're teaching the wrong thing. What they need to teach is that the most important thing you need to do for your business is to not do your business as number one. You need to do yourself as number one. You need to focus on personal growth. You need to make that the core of your existence, the number one thing in your life. And of all the different areas of personal growth, the number one aspect of personal growth is spiritual growth. So your spiritual growth comes first, then the rest of your personal growth, and then everything else. And to quote him, he said, your business should be nothing more than a vehicle for your personal growth. If your business succeeds, no big deal, did you grow? If your business fails, who cares, did you grow? And when you approach life like that, you will grow, you will inevitably grow. And when you grow, everything else you touch will grow with you. And the cash flow issues, they will not even be an issue anymore because life will have to catch up to your state of being, but you gotta focus on the inner work, that's personal growth. And the core aspect of that inner work is spiritual growth. That is the key idea from the guy who is now transforming America's business schools. He's not some mystic or some meditation teacher. He's a guy who teaches at Columbia and LBS, right? Amazing. Last question. Hi, this is Dimitri from Germany and Bulgaria. I wanted to ask you once with Mindvalley to take people from an ethnocentric to a world or cosmocentric level, or maybe also teach people who are already at the world or cosmocentric level. Do you have this also as a feature in your courses or how do you make sure that people take this step? That's a very good question. I don't think that elevating human consciousness should be just the domain of Mind Valley. I think every company should be doing it. I think every teacher should be doing it. And there's an immense power that happens when you do it. So for example, in the book, Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail, there's a very interesting chapter. And I shared this one paragraph from the book on my Instagram. Follow me on Instagram and you'll see that, right? It's from like two weeks ago. And he said, Google found that the thing that created the best employees was the fact that these young people had gone through some sort of crisis or tragedy in their lives. They had lost someone or they had gone through a personal crisis and this created a level of transformation that gave them more humility, more empathy, more understanding, more tendencies to collaborate. So maybe they had lost a loved one or they had been homeless and were sleeping in their car. But Google was saying that this, the crisis created the best employees. Now in transformational theory, this is called a disorienting dilemma. A disorienting dilemma is what causes you to shake out of your present reality and get to the next level. And a disorienting dilemma, when it's painful, can help rid ego. It can help rid a self-serving attitude and ensure that 
you are more ready to give to the world because you've experienced some form of suffering. So what's going on there is true transformation. People are moving up from the ethnocentric. It's just about, you know, like this circle of me to a larger whole. It's about being connected with the rest of humanity. Now, this does not mean that as a transformational coach, you want to put people into a crisis mode, right? Because the beauty of transformation is that you can create that awakening through insight and not pain. So the question is then, how can schools create that awakening? How can companies create that awakening? And that awakening has three different pillars. One is basically authenticity. The other one is autonomy. And then the third one is basically how connected you feel to everyone else. And so if you can create those pillars, those levels of change in people, you help move them to cosmocentrism. But I believe every company should be doing it. I believe every teacher should be doing it. I believe every school should be doing it. Everyone should be teaching people how to have more autonomy so they can have independent thinking and not buy into the religious dogma or the political dogma, how people can be more authentic so they can have their own dreams, they can stay true to their own beliefs, how people can be more inclusive, which means their heart expands to include all of humanity. Those three are the three like pillars of transformation. Now we inject that in everything we do in Mind Valley. So a simple example. I mentioned earlier that the teachers we bring on, we want them to be activists. We're looking at a teacher right now in the financial category, and he's not the guy all the way at the top, but he is the guy who bothered to write a financial book on how to be in peace with the environment. So you're improving the planet and not taking from it. That is a clue that he should be a Mind Valley teacher. Now, the other thing is, if you look at our videos, you'll see that roughly one tenth of the time when we show a relationship, it is not a guy-girl relationship, but it's a woman-woman relationship or a man-man relationship. Why? Because roughly one tenth of the human race is LGBT, but we vilify them. In America, like LGBT teens have a ridiculously high suicide rate. And somebody has to step up and say, look, this is normal. So if you look at many Mind Valley videos, including the videos that we're getting out in schools, you will see that occasionally when we talk about relationship, we just normalize it. No big deal. You fall in love with a man, hey, that's normal. And that's how we bring in, for example, inclusivity. So you guys can think about these as well. How do you get people to be authentic and true to themselves? How do you get people to be autonomous and not so, so malleable by bad politicians or bad media or Fox News? And how do you get people to be inclusive in their understanding of the world? Okay, if we can do that, that's how we can elevate consciousness. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, 
you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.